All right, how we doing? Good? All right, if you got your Bibles, you know the routine. Uh, the Tupperware Gospel is coming to an end tonight, and we are in the very last verses of the book Colossians. Okay, so if you're brand new, maybe brand new to the Bible, um, is that the Bible is chunked out in a bunch of different sections. We call them books. They all compile one book. Um, and so in the New Testament, meaning the second half of the Bible, um, the book of Colossians, if you have to look uh, in the table of contents, go ahead and do that. We are a judge-free zone. And probably just use your phone. Make sense? So, uh, hey, so I'm pumped to finish this off. Um, we're going to pray and then dive right in, all right? Um, Jesus, God, let us know your word. God, let's get excited about it. God, let us get um, see ourselves in it. God, open our hearts to it, and God, move us where you want us to go tonight. God, let me not get to the left or the right of your word, but let me walk that line, God, right into all of our hearts. In your name we pray, amen. Amen. So it's going to take me a minute to get to that part of the book of the Bible, but we'll get there, I promise. But I want to kind of back up and start with talking about death. Yay. <laughs> and the reason why, because I'm going to die one day, and I've just realized that recently, okay? I'm like, I, and I, it's not going to be a pretty death, okay? My wife, she is gorgeous. She is going to age beautifully, and it's going to be like, who's that rat with you, okay? And, and it's going to be, that's my husband, because um, I'm going to get, like, pruny. You know what I'm talking about? Like, I'm going to be the old guy with, with, with like, our flappy arms, and, and I get the little chicken dangler thing right here and just shroomed up. Um, that, that's going to be me. I get that. Um, and so I started think recently, um, I've started to go to the gym and then my body aches like it never used to ache before. I'm um, like, true story, today I went to the gym before this and my, my stomach just cramped up and I had to quit. I did the old man walk out of the gym, just like limped out of there. It was horrible, horrible day. Um, so I've been thinking, what do I want at the end of my life, right? And, and there's a few things where one as a father, what I want when I come to the end of my life is I want to love, and I mean love my wife more than I do right now when we're like 70, 80, 132 by then, I don't know, but I wanna be so in love with her that look, no matter where we're at in life, do we still got it going on? I mean, I, and again, like seriously, like if we're in a nursing home, I, we got this planned out, y'all. I'm gonna get like a couple nurses and they're gonna get our little wheelchairs and even though parts aren't where, we're gonna get them to get us a room and we're just gonna roll in there and just get right up next to each other, look in each other's eyes, and just drool. That's it. That's it. I want that. I want to die that way, you know? Um, and, and, you know, what I want as a father, what I want as a father when I'm, when I'm old, right, is I don't want my kids just to visit me like once or twice a month. Right, like my boys and me, man, we are homies. They're like my buddies. Um, they're five and three. It is a fun, fun age. And sometimes I just hold them and I'm like, just stay, stay this way. You know, we're daddy's hero. You know, but when I get to the end of my life, I still want to be their hero. You know, right, man? Like, like I want my kids to be my best friends. I want my kids, my two boys, to be there when I'm on my deathbed. To just be holding their dad's hand saying, Dad, you've led me well. Dad, I love Jesus. Dad, I'm going to storm the gates of hell like you did. Dad, I'm heart and soul with you. That's what I want. Um, what I want, too, is then when the day comes, okay, and I take my last breath, okay, and I've done everything God has planned for me, and I die, and there's just this moment in a flash of an eye where you start to see 
the fullness and the glory of Jesus. Listen to me, in that moment, I don't want to look at the grandness of God and the massiveness of him and see his plan, his splendor, everything that he is. And I don't want to have looked back on my life and have dreamed too small. Not taking enough risks. Look, I want to right-size God and say, God, I get it. I get it. You had the whole world in your hands. That's what I want. And the reason I bring that up is because before we get to the book of Colossians, I want to look at one promise that's going to set up the rest of our night. And it's this promise Jesus made, okay? And so for those of us that call ourselves Christians, okay, couple things, okay, is that you can't just take parts of the Bible you like, right? We got to take the whole counsel of God, okay? I believe everything in this book is God-breathed. I don't think there's an error in it, Okay? And therefore, okay, if we're going to believe Jesus, okay, spoke and whoosh, creation happened. If we're going to believe Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, no one gets to, Jesus, or they gets to heaven but through Jesus, okay, if we're going to trust him for salvation, okay, then we have to trust him at his word, right? Right? If we're going to believe this, then come into this promise where John 14, 12, Jesus says something astounding. Where he says this, very truly, I tell you. So whenever you read the Bible and Jesus says like, very truly, the old school King James would be, verily, verily, I say unto you. Okay, essentially he's going, look, you're going to think I'm lying. Right, have you ever started off something like this? You're like, all right, I swear to death, this is true. Right? That's what Jesus is setting up. Very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I've been doing, and they will do even greater. Say that word with me. Even what? Greater. Okay, say it one more time, because the uh, online people never say it. Okay, so one more time. The what? Greater, greater things than these, because I am going to the Father. Now, I don't know what that verse does for you, But even if you're not a Christian, you're leaning in right now. Because think of all the things Jesus did in his life while he was on earth. Like Jesus walked on water, man. How awesome would that be? Not frozen water. We get that, okay? But liquid water. He was just Right? He did the fish and chips thing, fed 5,000 people with five loaves of bread, two fish. Amazing. He healed people. Made blind people see by spitting in the mud. True story. There's this Bible where he's just like, hey, I can't see. And Jesus is like, okay, I got this. He spits in the mud, rubs it on the guy's eyes, and then boom, he can see. Incredible. But bigger than any of that, Jesus claims his own death. Jesus dies. Three days later, Jesus raises back to life. Which I know, ruffles feathers, we're like, oh, I don't believe that. Look, you don't have to, but the whole world's confused by it. We still base our dates after death, A.D., on him because Rome couldn't figure it out. We still, the whole world celebrates this thing called Easter. You can call it about a bunny, but look, there's a reason the world's perplexed, so you don't have to believe it, but listen to me, the world knows something happened that day, and it's because Jesus rose from the dead. Now think about this. So does wrap this around this promise now. Jesus then comes into your life and mine. He says, if you believe in Jesus, okay, right here, I do, 
And he goes this. He says, hey, you're going to do the things I've been doing, and, and you're going to do what? Do greater. Now think about that. I don't know what that does to you, but I pull back, and when I remember I first started reading this, I started making plans. My plans, you know, and then you know that's a good idea. So, I, honest to God, I, I thought, I'm reading this, and I'm going, I, I remember I was about 25, 26, and I'm going, oh, yes, greater. And in my mind, I thought, dude, I know what this means. God, you got big things for me, baby. I'm going to preach to thousands, no, tens of thousands. You know what? You know what? There's this thing called the Passion Conference down in Atlanta, Georgia, the largest college gathering on the planet. Listen to me. I'm going to preach to the college students, and I'm going to do it by the age of 33, because that's when Jesus died. That was my plan. Yeah, yeah. So now, now, just probably shouldn't clap, because it should do noted, I am 34. <laughs> so, and, and unless I missed the phone call, like, you know, like, hey, bummer, I missed that one, you know? Um, but, but some happened, right? And I don't know what that does to you, but, but what happens oftentimes is we start to read these verses and we just disregard them because we don't know how to handle them, right? We start to go, well, I don't, I don't really know what that means. Or if you take them literally, we're scared of what that means. Because again, what does the literal translation mean for you? For me, it meant to go preach to thousands. For some of the bands around here, it means to lead world tours, well, here's the question. Why aren't we seeing that, right? Why aren't we seeing us do even just the things Jesus did? Like, in case you haven't noticed, I don't know anyone that's walked on water. Huh? Maybe you have. Okay, email me. I'd be fascinated. But if you, didn't, if you, don't, if you don't got a picture of it, didn't happen, okay? But we, we don't do it. Like, but how cool would it be? Like, I think about that. Imagine we're all at Applebee's. You know what I mean? And I'm just like, all right, I got this. All right, let's, let's stand up. Let's get the attention of the whole crowd. You know, I got, I got 12 people around me because that makes sense because that's what Jesus did. And I'm just going to go, Applebee's! Look down because your water is now wine. That'd be awesome, you know? I mean, I'd imagine that. I mean, the news is coming by the droves. You did what? You know, it'd be incredible. The problem is, is that don't happen. And then we got to wrestle with what's Jesus talking about? Right? Like, let's just be honest and come back. What is he talking about? Because we got two options the way I see it. Is number one, is that Jesus was lying. Or number two, we're missing it. Okay? And I'm just going to go out on a limb here and say, I don't think Jesus was lying. Okay? I think we've missed it. And here's what I mean. Is that we take promises and what we do is we individualize them. Again, okay? I'm not saying that's a, a bad thing. But we start to see them in our Western cultured minds. So when we read, hey, God's going to do greater things, we individualize it and then drop it into our Western American culture and we start to think bigger and better, right? We start to think, here's what greater means. It means the fame. It means riches. It means bigger and better, more audience, more prestige, more, 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 more about me. And the problem is you take a God thing and make it a me thing. And whenever that happens, it goes bad for us. And that's where today, listen to me, where, where I'm at, let me just put my cards out there, is I really do believe God wants us to step into the greater, I really do believe that what you're living, God has greater plans than can you ever think or imagine. I believe that, but here's the hook. And there's the big idea we're going to wrestle with this whole time is that this, is that we will never do the greater until we come together. 
Do you hear that? That the greater happens when we come together. And this is going to bring us into Colossians, right? So as we've walked verse by verse through this whole thing, you start to see Paul starts this book saying, hey, we are in Christ. Christ is in all things, and he is in you, and he is in me. And then he starts to say, look, here's what Christian living looks like. You add things to your life, subtract things to your life, all for the glory of God. And then he wraps it up. And the verse we unpacked yesterday was Colossians 4.2, where it says this, devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful, and pray. And so that was last week. Remember, it was like, pray, 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 pray. Then when you're, stop, when you're sick of praying, pray some more, right? Pray, 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 pray. But pray for who? And watch this. Devote yourselves to prayer, bring watchful and thankful, and pray for us. So one thing you got to know, Paul's not alone. Now, jump down to chapter, verse 7, where we're going to wrap up and just watch how he wraps up this entire ver- book. We're just watch. Every word is purposeful. And I want you to notice how many names are listed. Where it says this, verse 7. Tychus will tell you all the news about me. He is my dear brother and fellow minister and follower of servant of the, in the Lord. I'm sending him to you to express purpose that you may know about our circumstances and that he may encourage our hearts. He is coming with Onesimus our faithful dear brother, who is one of you. He will tell you everything that is happening here. My fellow prisoner, this one's a hard one, Artie. We'll call him Artie. So Artie (laughs) sends you his greeting, and so does Mark, cousin of Barnabas. Jesus, also called Justice, also sends greetings. He is always wrestling in prayer for you. Our dear friend Luke, the doctor, and Demas send greetings. Give my greetings to the brothers and sisters in Laodicea and to Nympha and the church in her house. Now, if you count all that up, you're going to find that there's nine different names, four different churches mentioned, and Paul is then talking about the brothers and sisters throughout a whole entire country saying, all these people have stepped into my life, and because of all these people, greet them as I'm exiting my life, because without them, I would have never been able to do the greater that Jesus has called me to. You think about that, because again, if you know your Bible and know Paul, Paul did great things. Like you just unpack Paul's greatness list. Number one, he wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. That's pretty good. Secondly, as Scripture teaches us that he would, was able to heal people, that's pretty awesome and pretty great. Scripture tells us one of the funniest things about him is that he had this hanky, okay? And so for my millennials, you have no idea what a hanky is because we just sneeze and blow it on people. But a hanky is a little nasty napkin that's made of cloth and you put it in your back pocket and you bring it out to go, (laughs) or to sneeze in it. And so it's a snot rag. And the scripture records that even Paul's snot rag, he was so anointed with the Holy Spirit that people would touch his hanky. His hanky and be healed. Now, I'm just guessing, okay, if you did even half of what Paul did, heck, a quarter, you would look at me, and I would look at you and go, dude, high five, you've done great things, right? But don't miss this, because we're on the outside looking in and go, how did Paul and the apostles, how did they do such great things? Because they didn't do anything alone, man. If you want to see the greater, you got to come together, and Paul understood this concept, That the greater, Jesus is calling us to it. The promise is ours, but look, it's not an individual thing. It's a collective thing. 
Does that make sense? And so we're going to dive in, and for the rest of our time, I just want to answer a question. Why does the greater happen when we come together? Why is that? And the first thing you want to write down if you're taking notes is this, is that time is multiplied. Time is multiplied. And here's the thing about time. It limits all of us. All of us have 24 hours a day. All of us have a number amount of years. Look, time limits everyone. And you don't realize how fast time is until you start having kids. Right? Right? And again, my, my single friends, you're like, I just want to have a kid. Look, get Get married first, but then it's boom fast. It's crazy. Where again, you guys heard me talk about my boys are five and three. And isn't that fascinating at that age how they start doing adult things? And you're just going, oh my goodness, stay a kid. You know? Where again, the other day we were in bed and we were having movie night, and these are like the precious moments of life. You know, because my five and three-year-old, we go, what's that, your movie? And they're like, yeah, and they get passionate about the movie. And then essentially, there's that moment where they just start hitting each other. And you're like, okay, stop, stop, you know, and they're fighting. And then essentially, it goes like, boy, mom, dad, boy. Okay, that's, that's how, and we're just locking them down, strapping them to the bed with ratchet straps. Watch the movie! It's my kids. So then... Then there's just this moment, I remember I looked over at Elijah, he's five years old, and finally settling down, you know? And I look over him, it's the funniest thing, he's just in his little, little, little shorts, no shirt, and he just had, crosses his legs, puts his arm up over his head, slips his hand down, you know? You know? And I looked at him, and I'm like, what are you doing? You know? And he's like, Dad, I'm just relaxing. And in that moment, I was just like, oh my gosh, they're not babies, you know? And part of me dies. Part of me is going, oh gosh, I just want time to stop. We're saying time is a limiter for everyone, and it was a limiter for Jesus. So you understand this about Jesus, is that Jesus, again, did incredible things. Do I think that literally we are going to do the exact miracles Jesus did? Maybe if God wants it, but I'm guessing probably not. Okay, but what was crazy about Jesus is he was doing all these incredible things, but he could only do it at one place, at one time, because he was only one man anointed by the Holy Spirit. But do you realize that once Jesus died, that when you put your faith in Jesus, that we all that put our faith in Jesus become anointed with the Holy Spirit and it's the same spirit that rose him from the dead. It's the same spirit that allowed him to walk on water. It's the same spirit that turned water into wine and did everything and it lives in us. Where again, they're, they're, and again, it's, it's hard to believe that that's right. But again, the point Jesus is talking about, if you pull him out of his, his last days on earth, where it's so fascinating where he's starting to talk to his disciples about, look, look, I'm going to die and raise back to life and go up into heaven. And he starts to teach them, look, it's better that I go. And these guys were confused. You know, it would be like us. I, you know, it's, it's like, it would be like my mom sitting me down and be like, son, I'm going to die tomorrow. And it's going to be better that I'm dead. Oh, what? Yeah, I mean, but that, that was it. They didn't get it. They didn't, they didn't understand But understand this, is that once Jesus did die, he did raise back from the dead. He then ascends up to heaven. He says, go to an upper room and wait and pray. And then this is awesome, because then Acts chapter 2 blows the lid off what it looks like to be filled with the Holy Spirit, right? Where all these guys are believers, 
right? And the day of Pentecost comes, and it says this in Acts 2, verse 1, when the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. So they were what? To what? To gather. They were to get what? Together. Okay, one more time for the video campus. To what? Together. Okay, together in one place, and suddenly, I love that, there came from heaven like a sound, like a mighty rushing of wind. It filled the entire house they were sitting and divided tongues of fire appeared on them, rested on each of them, and then all of them, say that word with me, all of them were what? Were filled. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, whoo, I'm about to go crazy because, listen to me, two things means when you meet Jesus, okay? When you believe Jesus is God's son, you believe he lived a perfect life. You believe he died for your sins, and then he didn't stay dead but rose back to life to conquer sin, hell, and the grave to bridge the gap for you to go to heaven, okay? Two things happen. Number one, you're forgiven past, present, and future sins. Hello. Right? You're completely washed clean. God says that he doesn't even remember. He's the delete button on even remembering your son. You're a brand new creation. Woo! Second thing is then you receive his spirit to empower you to live this greater thing in connection with his body called the church. Where again, scripture puts it like this in John, 1 John 2.20. It says, but you have an anointing from the Holy One. If you're a believer, you have an anointing from the Holy One. 1 Corinthians 12, 13, we were all baptized, meaning we are immersed. We are fully involved and surrounded and baptized in what? The Spirit as to form one body. And do you see how we do the greater? Because now we're all Christ bearers. Now, Jesus isn't limited by time and space anymore. Do you realize that now, if you believe in Christ and you have the Holy Spirit in him, you can then go do Jesus things, and we all can do them simultaneously all over the globe. We're not limited by time and space anymore. We think about that. It's why we can preach the gospel here today. Today, and we can do Jesus things today. We can see people go from dead to life today. But at the same point, four miles down the road at LifeBridge Church, they can do the same thing tomorrow morning while we do church. Do you understand? It's why we can send off interns all over the globe to Hillsong College and Elevation Church and the City Church, but at the same time have a team right now in Columbia preaching the gospel right now. Do you understand what the, what the greater is when we come together? Don't miss this is that we are spirit-filled people, anointed by the Holy Spirit to go do Jesus things to a world that desperately needs it, and millions upon millions, if not billions, can do it simultaneously, which is greater than Jesus could do as one man. And listen to me, I don't, I, don't, I don't ever wanna downplay Jesus. Listen to me, he's the hero, he's who we worship, it's what it's all about. But when he promises the greater, what it means is it's not an individual effort, but the greater comes when we come together. Because time is just multiplied. Second thing is this, is that our talents are combined. Our talents are combined. Where scripture puts it this way in 1 Corinthians 12, 12, it says, just as a body, though one, has many parts. But as its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. 
For we were all baptized. There's that word again. We already read this. We were baptized by one spirit so as to form one body. And so what Paul's teaching us is that if you are in Christ, right? Go back to the Tupperware gospel thing, right? We're in Christ. Christ is in us. He's in you. Understand, we're all on the same team, all the same body. And just like I can't do much of anything without my thumb, I can't be as effective without my eyeballs. Just like if I didn't have a leg, I'd just be lumping around trying to figure life out, right? If you don't have all its members, it's crippled. But when we come together, what happens? The greater, because you got different gifts, talents, and abilities that I don't have, and that we leverage them to be one collective force for the world to take people who are buried in sin, who have buried themselves and going, I need help, I need a way out. But when we come together, the greater happens, and man, they go from dead to life. And to help illustrate that, I just want to introduce you to my friend Andrew, and he's going to share his story. And what I want you to pay attention to is how many people it took to actually get his life back on track. Check this out. From the time I was little, I, I got sucked into the, uh, pornography. Earliest I can remember is probably seven, eight years old. Some friends of ours down the street that I would hang out with, uh, their dad had uh, a bunch of magazines in his garage. So we would go down there and they gave me some magazines and stuff like that. Uh, there were a handful of times uh, over the years that I got uh, caught. At that point, all it did uh, was make me better at not getting caught. So I just found uh, better ways to hide it, better ways to keep it a secret. Everybody I talked to, uh, all my friends in high school were looking at pornography. And about the time I graduated high school, I found out that the youth minister at my church had been sleeping with one of the people in the youth group. Um, so I kind of got to this point where I felt like there was no hope. I got married uh, while I was in college. And uh, as far as my wife knew at that point, um, pornography was a thing in the past. A couple years into our marriage, I got to a point where I was broken enough to uh, tell her what was going on. And uh, it devastated her. Um, and I thought, I'm going to fix this. I'm going to work on it, and I'm going to figure it out, and I'm going to do whatever I got to do. So I told my wife, I told uh, a guy at church, and I started meeting with him. Um, but I didn't seek any help other than that. I asked my wife to basically protect me and my reputation. And the only problem was that it became too easy to conceal and, and to hide it. So um, I fell back into it. Uh, eventually, a, a couple years later, uh, we moved back to the Detroit area from Grand Rapids, and I uh, was working out of town one weekend, and I ended up uh, cheating on my wife. I was in the hotel room by myself, and uh, I met somebody that weekend, and I ended up cheating on my wife that weekend. Uh, and that, that broke me. Um, I didn't tell her that. She didn't know. Uh, so far as she knew, I struggled here and there, but I was doing a lot better. It wasn't until October of last year when the Conquer series uh, was at Metro and I heard about it. So I told my wife, I said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go and, you know, you know, I've struggled a little bit. So uh, even since I told you five years ago or whatever, uh, I've struggled a little bit and uh, I, I really want to fix this. I want to put the last nails in the coffin. And, and that was true, um, but she didn't know some of the things that happened in between there. During the Conquer series, 
which was going really well and I was really convicted and I was starting to make some progress and really make some headway, uh, my granddad passed away. Um, and I, I remember my dad saying at his funeral was that my granddad was a guy that whenever he saw that something needed to be done, he just did it. He didn't wait around, he didn't sit around, he just got up and did it. And with where I was at, um, that really uh, hit home for me and I decided I gotta just do this. I gotta just handle it. So uh, at that point I made the commitment to uh, be pure, to stay away from pornography. I've been pretty successful since then. So uh, my wife, even after the Conquer series, still didn't know everything. Um, so in March, she decided to do an next step session because things were starting to get better. There were a lot of things in our marriage that were just getting better um, because I was clean. And she took the Redeeming Purity session at Next Steps. And the second week, she came home and asked me point blank, uh, has there ever been anybody else? Thanks be to God that I was uh, bold enough to uh, answer truthfully. At first, I didn't know if she was gonna stick with me, not because she said she wasn't going to. I just didn't know. I remember that moment where I thought, I was at work <laughs> the day after I told her, and I remember thinking, I could go home tonight and the house could be empty. And my four-year-old and my two-year-old could be gone, my wife gone, and I have no excuse. Later that night, we sat down after I got back from work, and she said, you gotta tell me everything. You gotta start at the beginning and tell me everything. And then she said, you gotta go to counseling. And I said, okay. <laughs> she was hurt, it was clear, and I just tried to do everything I could to not get in the way of healing, but it was, it was helpless to feel like I couldn't help her heal. Um, but that was the point at which we started to um, become the best married couple we'd ever been. I got one-on-one -on -one counseling with uh, Terry Flint, who is a phenomenal counselor and worked me through a lot uh, and helped me see the freedom that can be found as opposed to uh, simply staying away from it, but really turning towards God and focusing on God and letting everything else fade away uh, because my focus is on uh, God alone. One of the things Terry said to me in counseling was, our greatest potential is often through our greatest fear. And that was uh, true for me. Uh, my greatest fear was confessing my sin to my wife and to others. The redemption that I found in Christ from this sin was my greatest potential. I can proudly say now that we're the best we've ever been uh, in our marriage and there's more freedom here than I've ever experienced. Uh, so there were a few people that were critical to making this happen. Uh, my wife was uh, number one. She stood by me the whole way, even though she was the victim of my sin. She has remained faithful to me, even though I wasn't faithful to her, and she's shown me love and shown me grace. The example that my grandfather set um, was a huge impact on my life. The, the Conquer series and uh, the small group that I was in there, um, that group of guys who were the first guys uh, that knew everything about me really were with me the whole way. 
They were there when I was having a hard time, when I needed some help, when I needed accountability, when I just needed somebody to talk to. Confessing my sin and being accountable was key to freedom. What I, what I love most about his story, again, is when you start to line up all the different people that it took, right? And, he, and here's what gets crazy, is oftentimes we think that that's the job of the pastor. But again, it's not that I, I don't want that responsibility, but do you realize that it takes a body of Christ to actually move people out of the trenches of this life. I mean, it really is true, but again, like I said, it, it, somehow we think that if you're on staff or if you're the pastor, then you get a super, super sweet suit that's blue and red and it gets your red cape and I get, instead of Superman, I get Pastor Man and, and then all of a sudden I'm supposed to know everything about everyone and know how to do all situations and it's just not true. Again, if we want to live out God's greater dreams for this church, then we become the body of Christ and we help each other and live with each other. Now let me just kind of drill down on this to make obvious and kind of give like an example. Because for us, one of the things that come all the time is we need marriage counseling, right? Marriage counseling. All the time in the church, we need help in our marriage and we're here to help and all that. Do you realize that sometimes the pastors aren't the best equipped to do that. Well, here, here, let's just take a poll. Okay, take a poll. Where's the single people at? Raise your hand. If you're single, raise your hand. This isn't weird, okay? Take a peek around. Maybe you could, if you like it, put a ring on it. It'd be kind of cool. <laughs> you can use this here. Okay, put your hands down. Has almost nothing to do with anything. I just wanted to include you. Now, where are my married people at? Raise your hand. All of them, all of them. Oh, this is beautiful. I hope you took to heart my little story with my wife. So all y'all, when you're dead, need to be that with your wife. Okay, keep them up, keep them up. Now, if you've been married less than five years, put your hands down. Okay, now less than 10 years, put your hands down. Okay, who's been married here 20 years or more? Raise them high, because this is awesome. Look at this. This is great. Now here, single people, come back into this. Married people, here's your best marriage counselors. Seriously, they've had teenagers, they've had young adults, they've been through the war together, and I'm telling you that when the body is the body, the greater happens, because think about it, if y'all ought to got to come to me, first off, I'd have, think I have ADD, and I'm probably not going to be a very good counselor, I'm going to be like, squirrel, um, but... Imagine you guys, and you guys, and you guys, and you guys all taking couples under your wings. How many young people can we help if we all grab a couple? Oh my dang, that was what greater looks like. And man, for us, we got to come into this because when we come together, man, I'm telling you, greater happens. The potential of this room is unlimited. It really, really is. And let me kind of press down a little harder on this because you have a role to play in the body. You do. And I understand we push back and go, hold on, I got baggage. Maybe you feel like you're damaged goods. You go, I have nothing to offer. My life is a train wreck. Look, I don't, I, I, I'm not quite there yet. Listen to me. With all your dysfunctions, you have a place here. Do you hear me? Listen to me. Do you realize this? God created you. 
And you might not like who you are. You might think you have bad habits. And look, we can help you with those habits. But listen to me, you have a part to play. He's gifted you. He created you. This massive, awesome, holy God assembled you, custom molded you one person at a time. And by you saying you have no place in his body is a slap to the face of God Almighty. You hear me? You belong here. You belong. You guys hear me? Okay, last thing is this, is that our potential grows exponential. Like our potential as individuals, when we come together, grows exponentially when we come together. When I started to ask this question, is would anyone notice if the Christian church worldwide went away? You ever wonder that? So like we have the media going and, and the television programs and they're all like, the church is dead, it's dying, it's, it's ineffective, da-da-da-da-da, you know? But would the world know? And here's the thing, I started to think about this and I rattled off some statistics where I just want you to see the effectiveness of the church right now, okay? In the world that says Christianity is dying, in a world that says that we aren't making a difference, okay? These are recent statistics where it says this. There's about 7 billion people in the world, give or take some, right? And here's what's crazy is that 2.2 billion confess to know Jesus. Now, again, you can say, oh, that, that's not true. Maybe. But end of the day, it's a whole lot of people. Think about this. In this world, there are 16,591 people groups, and Christianity has reached 9,850 of them. How amazing is that? Think about this, that there's 6,909 different languages of the world. The Bible has been translated into 636 languages, the New Testament into 1,442 languages yearly. Look at this. Yearly, the Christian church has given over $700 billion, billion with a B, Two, worldwide missions to help reach people and alleviate human suffering. Isn't that amazing? Right? And then think about Metro. Want to know what our church has done? This is just fascinating. Is that over the years, we've done Colombia, Haiti, and Nicaragua. We've done these for almost 10 years now. And that us in this little church in Little Down River is given over $700,000 to global missions from you guys, poor Down River, that what good can come out of Down River? Our mountains are made of trash. Hello, we've given $700,000 to missions. And it's because we want to see people far from God come to him. Where again, we have a team right now in Colombia. And I don't know if you've been on Facebook or tracking with them guys, but put up that next slide where I just want to read to you what the Colombian missionaries said about our team. So this is downtown Colombia right now. Those are our kids up on that stage. Those are our people that are on this stage. They're in a public square. And look at what he writes. Colombian Independence Day in Chiquir... Chiquir whoop. <laughs> well, we're going to blink that one out. So anyway, anyway, so they're in, in this city sharing Jesus in one of the mall squares, preventing at least one suicide with Jesus translating that conversation when I ran the stage. Dozens making decisions for Jesus while hundreds worship him for all to see. This is why we do what we do. Those are our kids. 
And so you think about that, right? Think about it. Put all this together. What does greater look like? I think we step into it and we start living it. Right? And I'm telling you, with our missions front, we've only just begun. And our goals are to start planting churches now. Our goals is to start reaching the unreached people groups. So there's about 40% that aren't reached yet. We need to go reach them. And we're going to start putting our monies towards that. But understand it's when we get involved, God gets involved and he multiplies exponentially. One of my favorite texts in all of scripture is this concept in Deuteronomy 32, 2, where it says, one man chases a thousand, but two men chase 10,000. And so what he's saying is that, look, if we come together, it's not like, hey, we're going to go up by addition. Like one man plus two man means, hey, we're going to get twice the amount of work. No, we're going to get 10 times the impact because God's involved. And to me, exponential, man, it's what I'm into. It's what rips me apart. Where you want to just open up my Komodo for a minute? This thought of exponential growth, what could we do? If one gets 1,000, two gets 10,000, what if two could multiply by 10? And so for me, most of you guys know my story is that next year, me and a team from here, we're going to go plant a church out in Ann Arbor, right? And so for me, the question that has been asked a thousand times is why? And then everyone starts to dig and they're like, okay, tell us the real story. What happened between you and Jeremy? Give me the gossip. What, you fight? What's it about? What's it about, man? And look, let me just publicly say there is no fight. It's looking at what greater could be. Listen to me. I, Jeremy's been nothing but honoring to me. And you guys got to know that. This is, he's loved me. How it all came out is God started moving me. And we started to go, man, well, if we could double, could we do 10 times? You want to know? That's the story. And so we met in Calder's, our private office over there. And, uh, I sat him down and said, Jeremy, I'm going to go plant a church with you. And his response was, well, let me throw up and get a refill and we'll talk about it, you know. Um, but man, I'm telling you, he's been so honoring to me. Um, you guys need to know he's offered me half of this stage. Think about that. For him to say, Chris, I love you so much and I believe in you so much. Take half of it. We'll tag team this. And to me, and everything, listen to me, everything in me goes, man, that would be awesome. It would. Man, I love you guys. I love Metro. I am Metro. But that's what drives me, is to go, what could happen if we took Metro's DNA and infused it in a culture that's ever so spiritual but so far from God? What could happen if we doubled the bands and doubled the messages and doubled the work where we weren't trapped by just one building? But what if we took everything I lived here, everything that's been infused in me, what if I am Metro truly went to a place far from God? What could Jesus do? And it drives me and it moves me and it's moving our church. And so listen to me, the creator, I'm telling you, Paul nails it to go, listen to me, let's build an army. Because when one goes, look, we might get a 1,000. And we have. We've been blessed. We had 2,000 every week at Metro. But what if two go? 10,000. What if three go? What if you and you and you? What if we all start to move? 
and jump into his story. And I'm not saying everyone needs to plant a church, but listen to me, what if you stepped into his story? And so to close, what does this mean for you? Because Paul's challenge at the end of the book is greet all these people. And what Jesus is calling to is this greater, but the greater comes when we come together. And so what's your piece of the puzzle? Because what could happen if we as a community said, we're going to leverage all we got? What could happen if we believed in the exponential? What could happen if we started to give and decided we're going to give like nobody else has ever given? What if we said we're going to serve? And I'm not talking about just here, but I'm saying when we go to work, when we go to out in the marketplace, when we are just out and about, but we're serving the community, what could happen? Jesus says, and he promises, we will do greater things than him. It's not because you're that good. It's because he is in me, and he is in you, 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 and come back to the Tupperware gospel. We are in Christ together. So we got to figure that out. So if you'll bow your heads and close your eyes, man, I just want to pray over us that we would move. And so maybe you're here and you're going, hey, I'm not part of this thing, or hey, I don't know Jesus, listen to me, today can be your day, right? We're saying the gospel is for you, Jesus is for you, it's not bad news, it's called good news, because Jesus died, he rose again, and listen to me, he wants to be in you, and you and him, and to set you in a purpose and a direction. And so if that's you, I just want to pray for you, and I want to pray for the rest of us that do call ourselves Christian, that we will be brave enough to not give up, but we will jump and step into his story. Jesus, God, I pray for all of us to be united. God, that we would see the greater when we come together. God, I pray that we wouldn't just go, oh, that was a good philosophical idea. That was a good thought. Or, hey, I really enjoyed that. Or it's good for him to go. But God, I pray that we would be people that move today. And so God, whatever that looks like, God, I pray you put it in our hearts now. God, for some of us, it might mean that we just start to receive you, Jesus, in our life for the very first time. God, for others of us, it means that we go after the promotion so we can give more. God, for others of us, it might mean that we jump in and start serving in this place. For others of us, might mean that we jump into our communities. Look, God, I don't know what it is for us, but God, there's a promise to be had where, God, you've called us to come together to live out the greater. And so, God, let us take that to heart, be a driving community, and God, use us to exponentially more, God, exponentially more than we can ever think or imagine. In your name we pray, amen, amen, amen. Man, I love you guys, uh, seriously. And so, hey, to dismiss, as always, man, if you need to pray with someone, uh, maybe you need to know what a next step is, how to jump into God's story. Uh, man, we have a team up to my left, your right, that would love to pray with you, that would just love to step into that. Um, if you are hurting or you need something to go in your marriage, look, we had a whole lot of married people raise their hand, grab one, just tap them on the shoulder and be like, let's go to dinner. 
you're buying. So <laughs> that's how it works. So, hey, you're the younger. It's, it's okay. So anyway, but hey, I love you guys. Don't forget, um, Wednesday, we have our Conquer series. Get there. And then uh, Friday, we have Lego uh, Batman. It's going to be great. Take your family and kids. It's going to be awesome at our Taylor campus. So love you guys. We'll see you next week.